Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week was one-fifth of the Saturdays, but prior to joining the band, she honed her craft, spending her evenings and weekends gigging around her native island, carrying her own PA system and guitar, playing in any bar or venue that would have her. Born to a GP father and a mother that loved to sing, her uncle was a big country music star back home in Ireland, so music was always a part of family life. And while she gigged by night, she hedged her bets and studied nursing and teaching by day before taking the leap to make music her full-time focus when she jumped the ferry to London at 23 to start a new chapter in her professional music life. Very quickly, she successfully auditioned for the Saturdays and the group propelled her to international stardom. As the band clocked up hit after hit, she met, fell in love and then married rugby star Ben Foden and they went on to have two children together, a son and a daughter. Life looked rosy and despite the band calling time and taking a break to pursue solo careers, she was happy raising her children in England whilst establishing herself as a country artist, heading out to Nashville to work with some of country music's biggest names. Then life as she knew it changed. Just as she was about to relocate to New York for her husband's work, their marriage came to an end as a result of his infidelity. And whilst he moved to the States, she and their children stayed in London, eventually moving back to Ireland last year after the first lockdown. He quickly fell into a new marriage just two weeks after meeting his now wife, and they have a daughter of their own. It was, to state the obvious, a lot to deal with. A difficult time. But she did deal with it, and she's been back in the studio working on her latest release, Swear It All Again, as well as hosting her own breakfast show every Saturday morning on Country Hits Radio. So, let's dial up Una Healy. 
Una, how the devil are you? In this, the longest year we've ever lived through. I know already. It's a continuation of 2020. That's what it is. Oh it's God. like an extended 2020. Yeah, everyone was like dying for 21 and we're still here. But um, also you're locked down with two very little kids. And I think that means that you're having a very lo- different lockdown, for example, to me. Because that's tough. It was well, it was very tough the first time around. So the first lockdown, I was in the UK, just myself and the two kids. Um, and I had no support, no family around me. Um, I couldn't really leave the house. So much so that just outside my door, um, uh, there was like a a pigeon's nest and the the pigeons I could actually I saw them fly the nest the two when they were teenagers <laughs> so they actually built a nest hatched and flew the nest all in the time because I, I never left my house because I couldn't leave the kid I wasn't allowed to bring the kids to the supermarket so I was getting all deliveries and I was literally oh, like a massive hermit in the house with the two kids and I found it really hard and I said I'll never never ever go through that again um, mm. so that's why I've moved back to Ireland actually and I'm here now I've got my, my parents um, that live next door basically so um, I've got lots of support and, and just other people you know I found it really lonely and sad and horrible like yeah it was really tough but sure I wasn't the only one you know there was a I've got quite a few friends in a similar situation to myself who were also single parents as well and they were going through too so we had like a group chat and we used to just make kind of fun out of the whole thing really and have our little Zoom nights and stuff. So, yeah. Now that you're settled back in Ireland, I mean, that was a big thing to do, to move as a single parent with two little ones and not start a new life because you're stepping back into familiar ground. Um, But how's that been for you? Relocating and repositioning your family unit? It's quite exciting, actually. I remember like my my mum came over and helped me move house and stuff, you know. So we filled up a, a truck I actually gave quite a lot of my furniture away to charity because I didn't want to have to just bring a massive truck over. And because I was moving home, I knew the furniture was here. So um, I just brought the essentials back with me. And so uh, a little van actually just went ahead and went on the ferry. And then I drove my car and had the kids and my mum. And uh, we, um, yeah, I found it was quite like exciting heading across the sea because when I moved to the UK 12 years ago for the Saturdays, I came over on the ferry with my car and it's kind of like done a full circle going back again. Um, but like so many people are moving home and, and moving out of the city or just going back to their roots and it sort of feels as well it's quite a little adventure really um, but I'm, I'm happy to be home like I love I'm very very settled in here now um, and I, I'd always come to visit and I've still quite a few friends around so it's actually really nice I love it but I do think it's important to kind of cleanse and, and to make a new start and you know pouring your feelings out into important places is something you do as a songwriter especially as somebody that writes country music because there's no getting around it country is all about heart and soul isn't it yeah it's very much like storytelling and as a singer songwriter there you know Mm. most country artists are singer songwriters where they'll sing their own songs about their lives um very personal actually and they're they're not scared to pour their hearts out and I've been like that since I was 12 when I started to write Mm -hmm. songs because I started writing in my teens and I was always just very honest and open about how I felt and you can always sort of tell what song is about what you know if you if you listen back but I never like to go too too personal because then other people won't be able to take that song and make it their own I always think it's very important to to write something that everybody because once that song is out it's for everyone and you just want people to think god that's my story or that's my life because there are only really two two songs ever written they're always about love Uh, one is about falling in love being in love or else falling out of love and being you know sad about it so 
you kind of have to just rewrite it in, in as many ways as possible. And <laughs> um, the country music, I'm, I'm intrigued by your past. You are from such a musical family. Country music must have seemed like an odd way for you to go for people that only knew you through the Saturdays. But actually, it sits in your, your family. You're from a family of singers and country artists. So this goes way back for you, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I grew up in a in a musical family. My uncle is a, a country and Irish singer, very well known, um, Declan Nerney. And then his sister is my mom. And she actually taught me the guitar when I was 12 and taught me the first few chords. And I'm um, just growing up with that, that on the radio, like my mum would always have the stations on waiting for my uncle to come on. So I was listening to that. I was raised on, on country music and um, I guess being a guitar player and playing that sort of, you know, heartfelt stuff, writing songs. It just really slots into the, the country genre, which is like huge at the minute. There's so many crossovers happening as well. So there's no way really of avoiding country right now. It's just become mm. so, so, so universal, really. Um, but my my kind of background is like from the country and Irish. That's where I grew up on. And, and I just loved people like Cheryl Crow would be my, my idol. I remember like first listening to her when I was 12 and loved all the singer songwriters. I loved Garth Brooks, Shania Twain, um, all that 90s kind of uh, um, country. Loved it. Faith Hill. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, when I was, was in the Saturdays, it was a departure from my, my country roots. But I'm, I'm back doing it again now. And it's sort of country rock pop, I would say. Um, the genre of singer songwriter and uh, kind of straddles yeah. a few a few of the genres really. But you know the country artists. It's it's funny because it's about the direction of travel. I suppose like a lot of artists like Miley Cyrus, for example, started out and is considered to have you know great staunch country roots, but can quite easily travel and do pop. Do you find that this is accepting when you're going in reverse and you're coming from a huge pop outfit like the Saturdays? to try and, and record country were the country community open to you I think it's like yeah it's probably the other way around to like say Taylor Swift who started country and then she went pop and now she's sort of going back to country again which is mm. lovely folk you know I love folk music I love all the kind of Celtic folk as well um, but I think a lot of people I was very open about the fact that I was following the singer songwriter path before the Saturday so um, anyone that, that would have followed us would have known um, my background and any opportunity to whip out the guitar for um, like acoustic performances and that kind of thing I would always be there with my guitar ready to go so I think it wasn't a huge surprise to, to our our fans at the time but maybe to the, the general public who wouldn't have known me from before would be like what's she doing in the country for now who, 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 who does she think she is you know <laughs> but uh, yeah I guess it was a bit, of a, a bit of a surprise to some but I'm just doing what I love, you know, I'm, I, I do it because I love it and it's my passion. Um, obviously, the, the music industry is in a very strange place at the minute without any gigs, nowhere to perform. Everything is on like like most things is on Zoom. And it's, it's tough, but the great thing is that we can still release music, which is nice because people need to keep have, to be entertained. And it's very important that we still keep recording music and creating music and, and all that as well. I love the fact that your mother has a safe full of envelopes and each one arrives sent by registered post and they're all addressed to you in the same handwriting. None of them apparently have ever been opened and they all contain tape recordings of the, the songs that you've been writing since you, as you've said, first picked up a guitar at the age of 12. And you said you used to send them to yourself to establish your copyright, just in case someone like you too discovered one and had a hit with it. Is this right? Yeah, so like back in the day, <laughs> the, this was actually legitimate. This is what you had to do. So the, the form of copyright, so like this was probably pre-internet, all that, like you couldn't just email the song to yourself just like that. You had to actually 
record the song. So at the time it was a tape recorder, record myself singing the demo of this amazing song that could be a massive hit for someone one day or myself or whoever. And I was like, just in case it gets into the wrong hands or somebody overhears me singing it and claims it's theirs, I got to copyright it. So um, put it in, you write the lyrics out, you write the date. <laughs> yeah, I, put, I even did the little C, you know, with the circle around it. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you, by the way, when you started doing this? I was like, I was like, you know, maybe 14, 15. I'd go down to the post office and they'd look at me because everyone in this town knows wow. each other. And I'd be like, um, can I send this to, uh, to register post? And they went, they'd look at me and go, this is to this town. And then they'd look at me and go, is it to yourself? And I'm like, <laughs> I said, look, it's a long story. Just just make <laughs> register post. I'll sign for it. Just just send it to me. And they're like, OK, that'll be five pounds. And like back in the day, that was a lot of money, you know to part with for like the, the safety yeah. of this song but it could be worth millions at the end of the day if you two were to get to catch the you know wind of it <laughs> and then Mammy had a safe where she used to put the safe like you know in case, in case someone came during the middle of the night and wanted to, to rob them off their um and they're still in there yeah so I've got like about about 30 of them I think all sent to myself but that was the requirement so to join the, um, which is called the Irish Music Rights Organisation, IMRO, uh, one of the requirements is that, yeah, you've, you've got to, so every time, like it's the same then if the song goes on and has a hit, then it's registered. So that song then is, is, um, is down as being a legit song that you wrote. Um, and then if it ever comes up in court, you know, you can be like, look, it wasn't opened, wasn't tampered with. <laughs> look at the date. You knew how to do this at the age of 14. You were quite an extraordinary young starter on so many levels. Like everything you did, you did really well. Like when you, you didn't just swim, you swam for, for the country or the, for the, the county, didn't you? Yeah, I swam. I grew up in the pool, really. And then you gave that up to write music? <clears throat> at like four years old, I actually nearly drowned in the pool. Um, I, I ran in after we used, to go, we used to go swimming with my mother and I had my armbands on and my, my, my sister was still in swimming and we were just having a shower and she was like, oh, go and go, was your sister not out yet? And I said, I'll get her. And I ran in and I jumped in without my armbands and I'd never swam without them before. So the lifeguard actually had to, to pull me out. And I remember that sensation of drowning, of like not being able to keep myself up. And I was only four, but... It never put me off. I actually think I went back and I said, I'm going to swim. There was a little girl actually in town do, jumping in in the deep end at the time. And I was like, I need to be like her. So I went down. And I, I, I learned how to swim the following week, actually. And then the swimming club were looking for new members. And it was meant to be just for eight year olds plus. But I think I was only four or five and I joined and I just just took off. It, was, it just really suited me. I loved it. I was a really good swimmer. So I went on to like, yeah, represent the county a few times in the All-Irelands. And then I won an All-Ireland. Uh, all Ireland gold when I was nine um, so that was like always one of the, my goals and then once I achieved that and kind of carried on swimming I sort of felt that it was it was it was tough to keep up with other um, counties and towns in Ireland because they were all swimming twice a day and I was in this little town that had no swim club at the time so I was like training myself so it, 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 yeah <laughs> yeah how do you do it when you've got no access to the club and the, the, the trainers and the team, you know, that's that's hard, isn't it? And you still manage to go on and win. I had to, I used to have to swim during public hours and like, you know how people do wits and it used to be so annoying because I was trying to like go for it doing lengths and then they'd always be like going, I'd see them in the distance like doing their like little breaststroke doing a width across and I'm like I have to dodge them and go around them and it was all but I suppose that was all part of the determination <laughs> like yeah it was it was a rough old road but like I think sometimes that stands to you too that nothing's handed to you too easily so um yeah I mean I love the fact that you've got these these songs sealed in a safe at your mum's house because you obviously had great confidence that there was some worth in them and I just wondered what else have you hung on to 
that are kind of remnants of, of who you are and what you've gone on to become? Well, actually, I did. My, my uncle Declan, who's uh, the country singer, Declan Lerney, it was the songwriting. He, he did like my voice, but it was more the songwriting that he really saw something in. And he he gave me that encouragement. He said, there's something really, really strong there with your songs. So I think that really did encourage me. And one of the songs that I wrote when I was 15 was called um, Raider of My Sleep. And um, that actually went on then to win a national song contest when in. So I wrote it like in 97 and it won in 2004. Um, so several years later and I won a lovely big trophy and then I won it again two years later with another song that I wrote so um, they're like my they're like did you twice yeah I won it 2004 the Glint Song Contest it was a a national song contest Uh, it's not running anymore but it ran for over 20 years and so I was very lucky to win that so things like that are little milestones like that keep keep you going and encourage you and you sort of feel Mm. like you're you're doing something right so that one song was, was, was one of my 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 big achievements at the time so <laughs> how old were you when you won those i was uh like 22 i think when i won the first one and then 24 so 22 and 24 i won wow. and then the following year i joined the saturdays then after that now before we get to to, to that massive move which saw you leave your home and cross the ferry uh, uh go and do the ferry crossing to start your new life you'd had a, a, a flirtation with what felt like trying to have a normal job or a more regular job so you'd worked as a medical secretary you, you took like a year out didn't you and you studied then you studied nursing and then primary teaching so you, you tried lots of different things and then what led to that moment of you going do you know what this just isn't me. I'm going to go and pursue music when you were 23 years old. Uh, well, I sort of felt that I should find something to fall back on. And because I studied quite hard in school, I had like the points. You know, it was a point system over here to get into, into university. And I had enough to do do the things that I felt I would probably happily fall back on if music didn't work out. So I attempted, um, I'm not proud to say it and I wouldn't gloat about it and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I think everyone should like find something that you enjoy and just get through it and qualify in it because you don't have to it's not like this is going to be you for the rest of your life but I just couldn't settle into I tried nursing I tried primary school teaching um, I took a year out first to do a, a secretarial course and that's what, why I worked as a medical secretary and I, I had a medical background because my, my dad G- was a GP and my mum was a nurse so I felt you know I'll be quite at home doing that so I did work at that for a while but it was always the music and everyone anyone that knew me knew that all I wanted to do was music so I just was like this is it now I'm going to pack in the, the, the ambition of being a nurse or, or, a, or a teacher and just fo- focus on the music. So I did that and I bought my own PA system and I had a, a Honda Civic car, which I let the seats down and made it like it into a little van with all my equipment. It was probably not even strapped in properly. Gosh, God only knows what it was, the situation was. But I toured around Ireland playing in pubs and clubs and hotels. And I eventually got some residencies where I'd be there like in one hotel every Friday night and another one every Saturday night. And I was sort of going along doing that really. And, and I knew that wasn't a career, but it was for me, it was my apprenticeship of getting out and performing, even though some nights I might only be in front of 10 people. You know, you could have a crowd in after a match and there could be 100 people or 200 people and you just have to keep them entertained. So I had like a set list of songs for when it was a rowdy night and a set list of songs when it was a quiet one and they were listening. And I, I used to really enjoy on the nights <laughs> where it was quiet that I get to drop in my own originals and I'd say, this next one is one of my own. And then they'd really listen and there was some real musos there really enjoying it. And I loved that. Um, and then I used to have a, a, an EP of self, well, actually, no, I had a 
the producer uh, I worked with a, a local guy and we um, we did a, an EP of my original songs so some of the ones from the safe made it onto that and uh, they it was called Sorry the EP and it's to sell it for five euro at the end of a gig so I did that for a few years you did you you covered a lot of ground you you really did put the hours in you got your air miles as an up-and-coming singer-songwriter. You plugged your own PA system in, you drove yourself to the gigs, you sold your own EPs in the foyer afterwards. I love that. Do you you consider that now to have been an invaluable apprenticeship? Oh, definitely. I would say to anyone, you know, the the most important thing is to get out there and and perform. You know, don't perform. You can't just perform. Now, obviously, there's the internet. You can just get out to millions of people all in one go or whatever. We didn't have that back then, so... It, but but it's nothing. There's nothing like live music and performing in front of of pe- real people. Um, but that is just very important. You know, you can't just be dreaming in your bedroom. You have to get out and do it. And it isn't easy. And it's really tough. And you'll have days where you feel, oh, I'm going nowhere with this. You know, and and there's an awful lot of um, kind of false hopes as well along the way. Um, like I did was very lucky to um, be a back and vocalist for Brian Kennedy in the the Eurovision in 2006. So that was a great experience. Yeah. So for just in case for anybody listening outside of Ireland who might not have heard of Brian Kennedy, he's, he's an Irish royalty, music royalty. There's like, Brian Kennedy's huge, isn't he? He's loved, beloved. I mean, there's only Bono that sits above him, really. Yeah, his voice is incredible. Like he's one of the, the the best male vocalists I've ever worked with, you know, and I've been lucky to like mm. since go and do some duets. I did a show, a TV show here in Ireland last year and I got to sing with him one of his his first songs I think it might have been one of his first single even and so I've got to work with him again which is really nice and kept in touch but little things like that are like you know things that happen along the way that you feel gosh this is going somewhere but then there's there's loads of carrots being dangled along the way too of projects that people go oh we'd love for you for this new I've heard this is going to be this next band and they're looking for this person and you'd be brilliant and then you go and meet them and then it never happens and there's an awful lot of that as well so you have to just be prepared for if you are wanting to pursue a career in music you know you can, there's an awful lot of, of setbacks and knockbacks along the way you know you just have to be prepared for that too and not see it as a failure mm. just it's just part of what it is you know have you kept anything from those sort of seminal moments? Have you still got your, your I don't know, anything from the Eurovision, anything from your days as a gigging muso that could sit alongside the unopened envelopes in the safe? Oh, well, I've, I've still got my EP. Sorry, I have a few of them knocking around. I used to sell them online as well on a, a site called CD Baby. Um, and then the, like you could, that was when downloads started. I was delighted. Like you'd actually see, you could log in and see who was buying your, your or downloading your music. And I could see like, it was being like downloaded oh, wow. in like, yeah, America and South America and Australia. I was get so excited. Any, any one person just bought it. I'm like, oh, this is so cool, you know. Um, so I did that as well. And <laughs> so I still have the, the old EP of that. What else do I have? I have loads of pictures, you know. So I have loads of, of nice memories with, with photographs and that of doing the gigs and well, my parents actually used to help me. They were like my roadies. They used to come along, either my mother or my father, and they'd help me bring the gear in and, and they'd kind of sit at the back just because obviously some of the bars I'd sing in were very rough, you know, so um, especially after yeah. a match, you know, when, when they'd have a few drinks in, you know, it was just me, a, a young girl on my own up on the stage. So, but they were always very respectful, I have to say, but just in case, you know, we'd have my, my dad, the roadie at the back. <laughs> watching on so, <laughs> GP by day roadie by night you know <laughs> oh everyone used to laugh at that actually and he's the most unroadie person you'll ever you'd ever meet in your life you know he's really yeah, you, know, you wouldn't you couldn't tell he was, he was very camouflaged 
which was good. Um, but yeah, and it was really it's lovely as well because he was probably more than my mother. She was he, she was very very encouraging and supportive of the music. Whereas he's a, he was a little bit more. You need to find something that you want to do. You know, you need to go to university. And he kind of like got a bit angry one night. I remember having a fallout with him about it, and I was like, I want to do music. And and then then he ended up being the roadie. So it's like. You know, and I'm I'm, I'm sure he's he's, he's he's pleased enough now. Yeah, but you know, you're very you're incredibly self-starting and tenacious, and having to have spent so long lugging your own gear around and being self-starting to to get yourself up and running. How did it work then that you then joined the Saturdays and then you have to fall in as part of a, a group unit rather than just being you know a solo artist? Well. I used to gig with groups as well as being on my own. Like I, I did some, I was in a, a group in town called Unreal. That was the, the first band I was in when I was only 17 with guys. I was the lead singer. We'd play like all, you know, I used to sing. I didn't actually play guitar in that. There was a guitarist, a bass player and a drummer. Um, so I worked in a group environment with them. And then I used to do some corporate work when I was gigging around as well, where I do I'd work with other people as well. And I enjoy that because it's not, it's not as lonely. It's nice having the company as well, you know, so when I saw there was an audition, I, ha- I actually had auditioned for quite a few things while I was, you know, within those few years of gigging around and just wasn't quite my time. And I don't think I was ready, but like I didn't get through audi- the auditions uh, like I'd get maybe one or two, a couple of rounds and didn't quite make it in. So um, I guess my time came at that. I felt very, very prepared and very ready to go for something. And I Googled the audition. Um, I was at home here in Ireland and I was like thinking, what should I do now? Where Where am I going with this? And I just don't know why. I just sat down and typed in. Audi- I was like, I'm going to start in London and see what happens over there. And I, I kind of had notions of heading off to New York and all sorts. You know, it was like kind of at the time I was young, free and single. I could do what I want. So I was like, I'm going to like see what's out there. So I just Googled auditions in London for singers. And I just came across this advert for looking for female vocalists. Um, aged between 18 and 28 which is quite a gap you know and I was like that's lovely because I've not been ages there because I was 25 at the time um, so I was like that's nice okay, yeah, I can get I could do that and it was like they did say looking for a female vocalist aged between 18 and 28 that can dance I was like oh and I can I can you know I've got rhythm and I can dance but I hadn't been trained and I've never really taken lessons or anything like that so that was something that I was like, oh gosh, I don't know now. Because I knew I couldn't be like a pussycat doll, you know, for instance. But luckily the group, we weren't doing those kind of routines. It was a lot more about the performance and, and there were there were quite cute routines that weren't too difficult. So I really enjoyed them. And it was like a whole new experience for me as well, stepping away from sitting on a bar stool with a guitar, you know. Um, so I did audition and just yeah. flew over. And it was a series of rounds of auditions, actually. So I was over and back between Ireland still doing my pub gigs and, and then f- flying over to London to do the audition. I kept it really, really quiet because that's something I learned along the way as well. You you have to keep things until they actually happen, especially in, in the entertainment industry. Until it actually, I see, I see it happening and I'm doing it. I don't tell people anymore because I was like all excited about stuff and be telling everyone the whole time. I'd be like, did you hear Una's getting into the new Louis Walsh band? And <laughs> then it wouldn't happen, you know, so. Did you ever audition for Louis? He used to call me, so he'd know my uncle Declan Ernie, the, the country singer from, because Louis used to actually uh, manage show bands back in the day and my uncle would have been in those bands and he would he was very familiar with my uncle. Every time he saw me, he would call me oh it's Declan Ernie he'd say you know <laughs> that's what he used to call me so um like I knew him well before even yeah I was in the band and um and there was actually they were putting together an Irish pop stars that's the one that um I, I got down to the last few in that but I didn't quite make it in so he was a judge on that and then I met him before that as well there was another band that what that never went anywhere it was a, a mixed band that I was in another pop group 
I feel like I've had a few lifetimes here. <laughs> the way I'm talking, it's kind of looking back on it. What the fuck was I? Forget half the stuff that I did. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? You've, I think we move quickly through life, certainly in our industry. And sometimes, you know, I, I find it when somebody interviews me, you sit down and they start running through all these things you do. And then you go, oh, and then I did this and then that. And, you, and suddenly you just realise, yeah, that's a, quite a lot. You've done a lot, Una. <laughs> yeah, I was in another band called Deep and there was like me, another girl, and two guys. It was it was around the time when the mixed ba- a pop band was in in fashion. When I think um, the do you remember the yeah. original pop stars was a mixed group, wasn't it? Um, so that 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 didn't yeah. take off. Hearsay, yeah, hearsay, yeah. So we we had our our version of hearsay, and and it was a basically you never heard of say, <laughs> <laughs> never to be heard of. That's what we should have called ourselves. So I'm just trying to think. Like back in the day, um, the time that you're talking about, I would have been somebody that was in contact with Louis Walsh. Boyzone were a thing. Then came Westlife. Louis could talk anyone into a record deal. Oh, if his name was just like, if, if you were associated with him at all, it meant you were going to be a huge star, you know. Because um, well, he was, he's, he's, he's very good. To, he is very good to spot talent, I have to say. He really does. And he does know his stuff. Um, but he, like, yeah, I think he always, me and him, we always had a bit of a soft spot for each other. So I think like, you know, he I think he was quite delighted to see that, you know, because he would have known that I had quite a few knockbacks along the way. So I think he was happy for me when he saw that I got into the Saturdays then after all that. So talk me through that audition because were you auditioning for Peter Lorraine? Yeah, it was. Uh, so it was a major the, on the audition as well, which I knew it was like a big deal because it said major label looking for female vocalist so it's like that's cool so it's for a label it's not just some, some chancers because there's an awful lot of them out there so you'll see hundreds of auditions advertised I was just lucky I went for the right one at the right time and it was in the right I was, I was ready for it you know so so Peter let me just if I just explain to everyone Peter was working for a major record label prior to that I'd got to know him because he was the editor of Top of the Pops magazine while I was the editor of Smash Hits and Peter famously I mean he's, he's so He's so brilliant at everything he does. He's a fine editor, an incredible music manager. Um, but he came up with all of the nicknames for the Spice Girls. I know. So he came up with Baby Sporty Scary. He christened them. Um, and then he went over to work for a label and put together on his own kind of um, imprint, his own label, the Saturdays, having already successfully managed Girls Aloud. So you knew when you walked into that room that, you know, there's some serious pedigree here. This this could be a serious opportunity. Yeah, so it was Polydor Records and Universal Polydor. Peter was there because Peter was working for, he was the head of marketing of Polydor. And then he then had his sub-label of that Fascination, um, which we were assigned to as well. And now it's, Peter's my manager at Fascination Management. So uh, we've been together a long time, right from the beginning of the Saturdays uh, to this day. So it's lovely. Yeah, so... And there was also like they had like yeah, the record label there, the marketing, the A&R as well. Um, actually, the first audition I went to was just the A&R there. Um, so it was a few like, yeah. And then the major one, it was the big, the big the final one was in Soho and it was in a, a venue where we went downstairs. And I just remember looking around hundreds of girls there thinking I'm never going to get through this. But I think because I didn't, it didn't put the pressure on myself. I was like, Do you know, what? if I don't get this, I'm going to I'm going to keep going and I'll probably go off to New York anyway. That's what I said in my head. Um, and I remember being there yeah the queue and I remember Rochelle was in front of me because it was all alphabetical as well so I think they alphabetically put it with your first name because I was thinking how could I because because Rochelle her maiden name was Wiseman and so she yeah so it must have been R-Q-R-S-T-U so I think that's why we were next to each other and we really hit it off and we made really good friends that day actually because she was in the queue next to me we'd, we'd go in in the rounds together and stuff 
And I remember seeing Molly actually in the previous audition that I was in as well. And that was in a, a venue, just a bar called the Spice of Life. You know, it's there in, in London Central, so somewhere around, I think it's near Covent Garden around there. I thought she looked so like Sienna Miller. I remember she had really long blonde hair at the time. And I thought I actually thought it was Sienna Miller. And I was looking across her going, why is Sienna Miller here? You know, <laughs> must be quite a good band if she's auditioning, you know. <laughs> Then, yeah, I really got got really good friends with Rochelle and we kept in touch. And then luckily we both got into the group in the end as well. And I even remember before we were actually selected as the final five, I think we were down to the last 10. I actually stayed with Rochelle and she came and picked me up at the airport and I stayed at her house. She was still living at home at the time. She was only young, she was only 18, you know, so. Um, but yeah, so we made friends even before we got in the group. So that was really nice. So that when we were all put together, like I felt like I'd already made friendships with a couple of the girls before that, even through the audition process, which was nice. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, all of this takes me so nicely to, to my next question for you because it's glorious to hear that there was so much striving on your part to get to where you were determined to be, which was, you know, top of the charts with a great band and the, opening the doors to the industry that, that you've pursued for so long. If you look back on yourself now, as you move through life and you evolve and you grow, what bits of the old you do you think that you've shed along the way that you miss and which bits are you glad you'll never see again? Oh, I still think I'm very true to myself. I, I don't think I've changed an awful lot, even just moving back here and living at home. I, you know, and I've got so, some of my school friends that I, like I grew up with and I've known since I was only seven. I've always stayed very grounded about everything and I wouldn't really want to be a new version of myself if just to just, an, I guess, a, an older, wiser one. Um, but I wouldn't change a thing. I think everything happens for a reason. Everything happens 
happens for a reason. And I love the strife and I love the, the you know, the climb and, and that it makes the, you know, the rewards so much better when you when you work hard for them and you appreciate them and everything that goes along with it. Like I, I appreciate it every moment and feel so lucky to have have got into that group, you know, because I know the amount of hundreds and thousands and millions of girls that would have loved that opportunity. Um, so I appreciate that so much, you know, um, and I'm glad that it didn't come easy to me. So I wouldn't change anything. And, and even things like, say, in, in personal things that have happened in my life, I don't like to look back and go, I wish that didn't happen because there's always everything does happen for a reason. Like I wouldn't have my kids if it wasn't for my you know, my my marriage to my ex. So that's the thing. You have to just take the rough with the smooth because nothing is plain sailing in life. You have to be prepared for it all in everything, not just music industry, just life in general. You know, you have to just uh, get on with it. Did you not find that once you had kids, for me, I found um, I sort of lost a bit of my own identity for a while. I just became Ben's mum, which I was really happy to be. Mm. But then I started to miss elements of me, like I missed work me, I missed um, fun me that wasn't always tired. And I was really, I was really keen to reclaim those facets of my old personality. So I started to stick those bits back on again. Um, and I sort of miss my, my bravery from when I was younger. Like, you know, when you're like, you're applying for anything and you're talking about, you, you're at this audition, you think, ah, oh, well, if not, I'll just go to New York. Like, mm. I wish I could have that simplistic bravery now because you can't you've got kids you're like well I couldn't go to New York I mean I'd have to find a school and you know, blah, 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 know. and you, you just talk yourself out of stuff because yeah, reality the responsibility. bites yeah the, the responsibility is much greater now and yeah you know um, but I actually throughout the group you know I had both Eva and Tyg while I was in the Saturdays and I look back and there's loads of pictures of me with a big pregnant belly on stage doing the, the tours so I kind of like they, they sort of were born into the group as well. Um, and I remember when I did the Voice of Ireland, mm. I did that for two years. Um, I was uh, pregnant during the battles section of that. And then I had Tyg and I was back doing the live shows. Um, uh, he, he was only six weeks old, but I was back after Aoife. Only after five weeks, I was back on stage with the girls. Um, I think a lot of people would probably look at that and say that's way too soon. Um, and, and he probably was, but that's just how it was at the time. And as they say, you have to make hay while the sun shines. And uh, I, I was very, very, very lucky to my, my mom was very hands on and ha always has been and still is to this day. Like, I don't know how I would do it without her. Um, so she came even out to L.A. when we shot the um, reality show with the E! Channel, the Chasing the Saturdays. Eva was only she three months. No, she only six months old and she came out there so she was flying across to LA with me so I just took her with me I sort of rather than adapting my life to her she just she slotted in and that's just how it it always has been but not without that help that I have and support with my family with with my my mum in particular um I don't think I would have been able to do it with her so you didn't really have an opportunity to to lose your identity with the kids because you were still being Una from the Saturdays yeah, as well I as a new mum. myself straight back into it. And I know that a lot of people wouldn't agree with that, but that it was just, I made a conscious decision to do that at the time and I, and I don't regret it either, you know. I've had plenty of time to make up for it in the, you know, bonding with the kids uh, scenario with everything with lockdown, you know. I think that's kind of why I don't want to complain about it because in that first lockdown as well, when it was just me and the two kids and it was very lonely and, and that at the same time, we really did cement as a as a, like a, a unit, the three of us, you know, that's the, 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 the family, you know, the mum and the two kids. And it was like that was a very important time, I think, for me um, as, a, as a person and as a mother and everything. 
um, that so so that that's a, like obviously this whole situation is is, is is awful because people are obviously dying and it's really sad and people are losing their loved ones and it's very hard to look at it in, in any positive way because it's not you know but the situation that we're all doing to have to keep safe and try and protect each other is that to stay at home and um, with that staying at home I did find it was a really good time to really bond and because um, they say that like you know they grow up so quickly which they do I've I've noticed that more and more like every nearly every day I feel like they look older. I can actually see them growing older every day, you know? It that, that happens with children, I feel. That probably was a very important healing time for you then, wasn't it? To be locked down with the kids at a time when you had to reestablish what your family unit was. So whilst it's hard, you only come out of it stronger. Definitely, yeah, because I remember the first time I went away with Eva when I just first separated uh uh I went on holiday with her because Tyke stayed at home and it was just me and I was like let's have a little girly holiday went out and joined my my um my friends in their parents villa out in Portugal so there was uh two couples there with and they were all there as couples with their kids and it was just me as a single mum with my daughter and I did feel I remember walking through the airport and looking around and seeing all the family like I felt like everyone was a family and without and I was the only single person like which is not true there's so many other people in the same position but you oh, it's like when you buy a car every car you see is the same one or if you're pregnant everywhere you look everyone's pregnant it's that kind of thing isn't it because you're so conscious of it yeah. but I was really conscious of the yeah. family units that were around and that that word as well family unit I was just like I used to get really upset about thinking I don't have that anymore and look at me on my own and look at you know, there'd be a man walking by with his, his daughter and then he go, go, go tell mummy, go tell mummy to get this. No, daddy can't do that right now. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, like not, not in a begrudging way, because like, obviously, that's, that's fair enough. You know, I, I was probably like them a couple of years before that, but just kind of heart wrenching a bit at the same time. I was like, oh, that's not me now anymore. And it took a while to get used to the fact that, you know, that mummy is enough, you know, and um and then, yeah, that time during lockdown of just just me and the kids, like they have all the love they need and they had each other. And we were just like it was it was it was lovely, actually, um, to, to create that bond and uh, and to lose that that feeling. You know, I don't feel like that at all anymore. I've none of none of I don't don't crave that family, you know, of having to be husband and wife, kids, you know. It's like an echo chamber coming back at me. It's lovely to hear. It's affirming my own experience as well. I remember when I first became a single mum, I, I used to hate going to the park and seeing, especially on the weekends. I loved, I, I was fine going in the week, but at the weekends when I saw dads with their kids and my son didn't have fat, it just killed me. Yeah, I was like that in the swimming pool. On a Sunday, I'd go swimming with the two kids and I just, I just felt like all I could see was dads bouncing around with their children and, and being such great dads. And I was like going, oh, there's mine just going, I'm like shouting after them or saying, put on your armbands. And But like, it's only me that noticed that. No one else would have noticed. And um, it's just was so conscious of it, really. And I wasn't, and actually, to be honest, I wasn't really enjoying it. I was like, I don't want to be here like this on my own. And But now I'm like, I could go, I'd be happily there on my own. I wouldn't even notice it. The dads would be there and I'd just be seeing through them. I don't I don't think about it anymore, but it just takes time. It takes a long time, actually. Well, take a year or two anyway for me to get used to that. It's so lovely to know as well that you're not alone, that there's so many others in the same boat. Um, and you're so much better off because you're much better off to be without the wrong person than stuck in a relationship that you're not happy in or that's not working out. You know, it's uh, you're just uh, that's that's just the way it is. And it just happens, you know. I always want to reach out to anybody that's um, at the beginning of that experience because I know how painful it is. And it really is. And it should be because, you know, your children are created with love and, you know, with a with a vision that you're going to spend the rest of your lives together. 
as a family. So it should hurt when it when it doesn't work out. But you just want to save the women that are, and the men that are going through that and just go, it's all right. It feels really shit now, but it's going to get easier. It gets better. You'll smile again. You won't think about it so much. You know, it's all going to be okay. You have to feel it's a good sign if you're hurting because you have to because you have to go through that hurt, literally go through the hell to get out the other side. There's no way around it. There's no way to jump across it or, or go, get around the edges. You have to go through it. And 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 you will, and it will hurt, but you will. It does. You feel so much better. I I I don't look back now, and and also I don't I don't hold that resentment like I did I did for a while. I felt you know a little bit bitter to be honest, you know, and just you know a bit of a chip on the shoulder and all that kind of thing. And now I'm like I find I find just such relief in not feeling that anymore, and I don't have any hate. I don't have that. I just don't feel hate or hatred or resentment or anything now. Um, just I'm happy to, to move on and I'm in, in a really good place now. Really good. Could not agree more. Well, it's nice to see that you're able to swim without your armbands. And oh, well yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like easy. That, no, it's not. And even like as a child, I went, went back in again. When I started drowning without them armbands, I still went back in and was so determined. I think because of the setback and almost drowning, I was like, I want to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the best swim, fastest swimmer in Ireland. And I did say that to my mother. I was like, as an, I think an eight year old, seven or eight year old, I want to be the, I, she said she remembers me getting dressed in the changing room afterwards going, mommy, I'm going to be the fastest swimmer in Ireland. <laughs> and I think if you just believe that and, and then you were. Yeah, yeah, I just was so determined. Oh, and you should be also that for anyone as well going through the grief, just be so determined to know, believe in yourself that you will and you are strong enough, but you have to just accept that the armbands are on. Don't go like running away with it, like taking them off and trying to swim. Don't don't put that pressure on yourself. You don't have to, you know. Imagine a night out. Imagine right now you could go anywhere with anyone, do anything. If there was one night from your life and it could be a gig, it could be dancing with girlfriends, it could be a date, whatever you want it to be, Una. If you could go back and live one prolific night again, tell me about that night. Well, that's asking now what was the best night of my life. <laughs> Best nights are like when you catch up with old friends. I love that. That kind of reminiscing. I'm big. I'm big into like nostalgia and that sort of thing. So um, I just love sitting in with old friends and catching up and, and chatting about the old days. You know, those kind of nights are, are really like they're the kind of nights in that I enjoy. Um, and just you're laughing. Laughter is the best medicine, I have to say, for everything. And I have a couple of friends that are really, really funny. And I find just being around people that make you laugh. It doesn't really matter where you are or what you're doing or what you're drinking or what you're not or who, who what you're wearing or anything like that. It doesn't matter. And to be honest, nights where there's no, like I look back probably the nights pre-phones, pre-Instagram, pre-all that, when I was like just a teenager, like the nights out, those nights were the best. And I, they're the ones I'd like reminisce on now and like laugh about. So I enjoy the nights of looking back on them, but looking back on the nights when everything was so exciting because you're experiencing things for the first time. So like as a, a you know, a late teen, early 20s, those kind of nights out were the most fun because um, everything's like sort of so fresh and new. Um, and then those kind of like first loves that you think you literally start like planning your wedding day with anyone you literally just met at a, at a, a disco or whatever, you know, <laughs> and then being heartbroken about them. And oh, just those times, like I would say my my fa my favorite decade was the 90s. I love the 90s and I still listen to 90s music like and it gets me all nostalgic again. Yeah. 
What about when you stepped out onto some of the best stages you ever have? You know, Good Evening Wembley. Oh. I mean, is that is that a night you'll never forget? They're like when you party on stage. They're oh, the memories I have of being on stage performing, and especially when I'd come back now to Ireland and singing to the home crowd and they throw up an Irish flag and you'd just be so proud and yeah, like that you look down the audience and you can actually pick out some of your family. I have a big family because my dad was one of 15. So I've actually got 60 plus first cousins. So, you know, half the audience were them or, you know, I I'd find I'd actually see them. Oh, there's cousin Mary. There she is. And, you know, Jesus. And so your family get togethers, I would imagine that, you know, like if you're playing um, a gig in Dublin, certainly in your days with the Saturdays, your your family guest list must be exhausting. Oh, yeah, it was, it was tough. You know, I'd always remember the tour manager, Mark, would always be like, he'd always remind me in plenty of time, make sure you get me in that set, that uh, guest list because I know it's going to be a long one. And I keep adding to it and adding to it. And it was like going out the door and then we would meet and greets and they'd all turn up and I'm going to, I'm going to be seeing you afterwards anyway. Why are you here? You know, and you know me, you're, you're coming from me. <laughs> and I guess they obviously wanted to meet the girls as well and have their picture. Um, they were kind of, when I get out of the way, oh, can I get in beside Molly and Michelle and Frankie and Vanessa? Yeah. And there you go. Less expensive than a wedding, less sad than a funeral. Yeah. It's a winning occasion to, to gather the troops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need, to, we need to get back now again to do that in the future. But sure, God knows when there'll be another gig. This is the thing. It's, it's, it's tough to know. Soon. Nobody, nobody can tell. Please God. Like music again. But you have new music out, you've been recording, you are releasing, you are all over our radios with Country Hits Radio. So so where can people find the music and how can they support you and other musicians during this test in time? Yeah, so I'm releasing a new single called Swear It All Again. It's my, my new single. Um, I actually wrote the song, I think I wrote it a few years ago, actually, like maybe three years ago I'd say that I wrote it so it's not like a, it's not a present so it's not about anything that's happening currently in my life and the song is actually about a relationship that even though you know it's not working out you know one of those ones that you just just you know it's not deep down but you'll do anything to save it because you feel it's worth saving at the time so that's what the song is about it's about the struggle of keeping a relationship that's failing together that's that's what the song is about it's been so lovely chatting to you and learning so much more about a life that's been extraordinarily well lived and you've worked so hard. Continued success to you. Oh, um, and I hope that you really do set up the, the perfect home for yourself and your kids um, and your new unit in Ireland. And bloody good luck to you, my friend. Oh, thanks so much. And you know that you say that as well. I kind of feel like I am home. And as you said, the per the perfect unit for me is my is me as a single mother, my two kids. And I kind of like just had a little vision there of like a shamrock, you know, that that's the unit, the the three leaf sham. Shamrock. There you go. Yeah. So that's because yeah. I know I've no tattoo, and I'm always thinking of what could I get a tattoo of. And I know it's a bit cheesy, but I think a shamrock would be a nice one. I think you can you I think you could style that out beautifully. Good luck with everything, Una. Um I know that we will be hearing lots more from you because you don't you don't do as much as you've done and then just suddenly disappear. And that's a great thing. Oh, thank you so much. That's it for this week's show. If you have the time and the inclination, please do rate and review us. It really does help other people to find and discover the show. As always, White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Richard Hatherall for Yahoo UK. Editing and co-producing is by Callum Goddard-Mucklow. And our music, as always, is provided by Andy Bell. His back catalogue with Oasis, Ride and his solo material are available on Spotify and iTunes. Please do as we always do when we make this podcast and drink responsibly. I'll see you next week.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.